Hi, and welcome to the Get Real with Mama Moines podcast. This is going to be a lighthearted, fun, yet informative platform. It's going to be dedicated to answering all of your burning questions and tackling life's real issues. I am your host, Emily Moines, and I will be joined by my trusted sidekick and BFF of 35 years, Shelly. Just two best friends here to solve the world's problems one fiasco at a time. So now it's time to get real. Hey everyone, how is it going? Welcome back to another episode of Get Real with Mama Moines. I am your host, Mama Moines, aka Emily Moines. Actually, actually, truth be told, Emily is not my name. My real name, my legal name is Maria Emilia Gonzalez de Moda. Moines. I'm telling you right now, guys, if you do not want to travel with me, unless you actually know what my legal name is, because it has gotten us into some hot water when I've been crossing the border with a girlfriend who uh, when I was asked what my name was, she uh, didn't get it right on four tries and four attempts. Now, remember, I've been married a second time and changed my name yet again. I can't believe I changed my name a second time. I knew it took me a long time to change my name um, a second time to my second husband's last name. It took me a long time because when I look back now, I, you know, in retrospect, I knew, I knew at my core that was not going to be my forever marriage. I just knew it. Anyway, my name having, I mean, I don't, I don't know how I got the name Emily. I'm thinking it was probably when I went to school. So we came from Portugal. I went into grade one. My older sister went into grade two and we both had the same first name. So I'm sure we got to school and they're like, okay, well, what do we do with this now? We've got two sisters with the same first name. And that's not unusual for Portuguese culture. So her name was Maria, Maria Fatima Gonçalves de Moura. And my name was Maria Emilia Gonçalves de Moura. So I think they just went, okay, let's give the older girl Maria. And we will give the second oldest her second name, Emilia. So Maria, my older sister, is known in the Canadian world as Maria. Although at home in Portugal our family. She's Fatima. Me, I am Emilia. Sorry, I'm Emily in my Canadian world. And I am Emilia in the Portuguese world because we go by our second names. So she is Fatima. I am Emilia. But why couldn't they just take Emilia and leave it alone and not change it to Emily? Because I have always been Emily. I don't ever, I have... Yeah, I'm Emily. For as long as I can remember, that's my name. But on all legal documentation, I am still Maria. <laughs> I know it's very confusing. Trust me. My aliases are a mile long. Now, what I decided to do after I got my second divorce, I could not keep that last name. And so 
are you ready for this? I went back to my first ex-husband, the father of my children, and asked him if it would be okay with him. Because I can't just take the name Moines. It does not belong to me. I'm no longer married. And he was totally cool with it. So I wanted to have the same last name as my children. And so I am back to being Moines. So it's Midian Amelia Consultation Moines. That's my name, a.k.a. Emily Moines. And there you have it. Okay, guys. So today I'm going to talk about, I'm going to be doing this again solo. I do have a co-host, Shelly. And Shelly is not always available. And sometimes these topics that I talk about that you guys want to know about are just topics that, I mean, really, she would have um, no contribution to because they're very personal, emotional scenarios that took place in my life. And today's topic is going to be going to jail. Going to jail. Now, I don't want to make light of this topic because back then, when I was arrested for domestic abuse and I was put into a police car and I was handcuffed and I was mugshotted, mugshotted, they took my mugshot and I was fingerprinted. You guys, I was at the lowest of low, the lowest of low. It took a long time to suck me out of that dark hole. And so I don't want to make light of it, but I do remember having a conversation with my girlfriend. I think it was a day or two after I had been released because they don't, they don't keep you. You, they just, they arrest you and then they let you go. And her saying to me, I was so, I think I was just like bawling on the phone. And she said to me, there's going to come a day where we're going to be sitting around having a glass of wine and we will be laughing at this whole scenario because it is just fucking laughable. And what is laughable at the time was that no one could believe, including myself, that I, I was the one that got arrested. It was mind boggling to me. But now what I've come to learn since then is that when you are faced in this with a situation where it's fight or flight, I chose fight. Why did I choose fight? I don't know. I'm five foot two. I'm 115 pounds. Okay, well, I'm not 115 pounds now. I was 115 pounds back then. I'm like, I'm just more than that now, give or take a few pounds. But I was up against someone who was like over six foot tall and over 200 pounds. Why did I choose the fight over flight? I have no idea. I think sometimes you just snap when you are pushed to the brink and you just can't take it anymore. Now, I did not start it. It was self-defense. However, note to self, if you are listening and you are put in a situation where it is fight or flight and you are in a situation where perhaps the authorities are called in, when you are read your rights and they say to you, anything you say can and will, will be used against you, believe it. Because when I was honest and truthful, and when they say to me, your husband has accused you of assault, assault, your husband has accused you of hitting him, and I say, I did, I punched him right in the face. I didn't say that to them, but I did, I did. But when the other party says, I didn't touch her, I didn't touch him, they're crazy, and they're deny, deny, deny but you're so naive 
and you've never dealt with this before and you tell the truth and you admit to having been, I don't want to say abusive because I'm, it just, I can't even get there. But when you admit to having assaulted someone, even though it was in self-defense and they've got that on paper, on recording, guess what? You're the one going to jail. And that time of my life was the lowest I had ever been. I remember going to the station. I was wearing track pants that had a drawstring. They made me remove drawstring. They they took all my personal belongings and they held me in a cell for 12 hours with a steel toilet and a cot in the room. It was like five by 10 with a camera. So if you had, and I tried, I tried to hold it for so long. I was completely traumatized. I knew there was a camera in that room pointing at that toilet. And I tried to hold it for as long as I possibly could until I couldn't. And so I now knew that there was some police officer somewhere in that station watching me go to the bathroom. Oh my God, you guys, I didn't think I would ever come back from that, ever come back from that. So what I really want to get across here is that although I maintain my innocence in terms of not being an abusive person, I have to own the fact that I contributed to that chaos. I engaged in that chaotic, tumultuous, ugly abusive scene. I participated in that. Had I disengaged, had I not reacted, and let me tell you something, oftentimes master manipulators and narcissistic personality types love the engagement. They thrive on it. It's called supply. You are giving them supply, good or bad. They feed on it. Please, please remember this. If you can feel that it's escalating, if you can feel that your argument, your fight, whatever you want to call it, is escalating, do not engage. Do not give that supply. You will never, ever win. You'll never win. And I went through a really, really, really long time where I was on sleeping pills. I was on antidepressant medication. You can't go back to the matrimonial home. If you get arrested, guys, and you get charged, which I was, you cannot go back to the home. And I had my daughter living with me at the time. You have to find another place to go. And you are given 15 minutes tops with an appointment and escorted by police to go back to the house and collect your personal belongings. You can get your toiletries, your clothes, whatever. That's it. You have to leave that home with nothing. Nothing. Thank God for my friends. And if you, my friends are listening, I am so indebted. You guys literally sucked me out of that black hole. I was so broken. It took me a long time. And for those of you listening, you would think that that after having gone through that, um, that I would never go back to that marriage. Well, I did. Yep, I went back. There's many, many 
reasons why. And I will do a separate podcast episode. There's trauma bonding. There is cognitive dissonance. There is gaslighting. This is all terminology I've never heard of before. And it kept me in fear, of course, fear. Fear paralyzes you. It keeps you complacent. And it literally, it's paralyzing. And uh, you know that expression, the devil that you know, or the devil that you don't know is, or the devil that you know is not worse than the devil you know, or uh, whatever, whatever. I I can't think of that expression. You guys know what I mean. Yeah, with the trauma bonding and the cognitive dissonance and the fear, it kept me from leaving and I kept going back. But what I wanted to really get across in this episode is that having gone through that experience, literally it broke me. I am now five years later and I'm able now to laugh at that situation because I do remember going back to the house to get my things and I had my sister come with me and I had my best friend come with me and I gave them each a list and I'm like okay you grab this and you grab this because it's so embarrassing you guys I was so fucking embarrassed cop cars at my house again and I loved my neighbors then I just like let's just go in and let's get in get the stuff and get the fuck out but I remember my girlfriend because when that fight broke out the day before I mean it came out of nowhere I was in the middle of making baked Italian spaghetti it is one of my family favorites it takes about four or five hours from start to finish and I had been talking to my girlfriend and I said to her oh I made one of your favorites baked Italian spaghetti it's going to be done in about an hour I'll call you when it's done come by and have dinner with us in between that phone call. And it was an hour, it was like an hour and a half, two hours later from the time that I made that phone call and the dinner was done. And my whole life had erupted, erupted. I mean, I was just at home making baked Italian spaghetti doing my, you know, wifely duties at the time. And it had erupted. But I remember the next day going back to get, collect my belongings. And she said to me, Hey, listen, did you ever, do you have that baked Italian spaghetti? And I said, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's in the fridge. And when I made it, I made a massive, like I'm talking massive roasting pan uh, because you could freeze it. And (laughs) in the middle of grabbing our personal, my personal belongings, she walked right into that kitchen. She opened up the fridge and she took out that massive roasting pan and she walked down the hall right by the, all the cops standing there, you know, watching and that had been escorted, making sure that I didn't, you know, escalate the situation. She walked right past them with this massive pot of baked Italian spaghetti and she looked up at them. She's like, yeah, this is going home with us. And I mean, now I can laugh at it. Back then, it was not a laughable situation. It was not. But that's actually kind of funny. And we do, when we get together now on girls' nights, we recall that day. And also that same day, what happened was because I wanted to get in and I wanted to get out as fast as I could. What, Of course, what happens? My girlfriend's car, maybe it was my sister's car. I can't remember. I think it was my girlfriend's car. Her alarm went off in my driveway. And I did not want to bring any more attention to this situation. I just wanted to get in and get out. And I remember my girlfriend saying to my sister, Oh my God, this is, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> I remember my sister saying, Oh my God, you're, you're embarrassed. Look at us. Look at what we're doing here. <laughs> There's like four cops, four cops escorting me 115 pounds going in to collect my belongings. And I don't remember, where did I go? I think I went 
to my friend's house and stayed there. I did. I went to my friend's house and I stayed there with my daughter. Oh my God, you guys. Anyway, I'm getting off topic and I'm going to end this soon here. But please, if you're listening in, in an abusive relationship and you're in a toxic environment, do not engage. It never serves you well. Do not. I don't know if you can hear that in the background. This is so unprofessional. I've got three dogs sitting in my room. And for some reason, one is whining like crazy. But do not engage, you guys. There's an expression. I think it's called gray rocking. Just gray rock the situation. Don't give it any attention. Don't give it. Don't feed it. Don't feed the beast. And the biggest thing I can tell you that I learned from that experience When you are faced with a situation, only because it's happened to me twice, with the law, say nothing. Say nothing. You are entitled to keep quiet and you are entitled to counsel. You get one phone call. And so I compel you, even though you want to get your story out, even though you want to tell the truth, Even though you think if you just tell the truth, if you just tell the truth, they're going to believe you and you're just going to get to go home and this will all go away. Uh Uh-uh. Not so. Keep your mouth shut. Talk to an attorney. Say nada. Nothing. So there you have it. That's my lesson for today. This podcast is get real and I'm keeping it real. I'm keeping it real. I was arrested. I'm going to take ownership because I engaged in that, I mean, it was self-defense at the end of the day, it was self-defense, but it doesn't matter if you admit to the law that you assaulted someone, which I did, I punched him right in the face. You're going to pay for that. So just keep quiet, get an attorney if you're in the same situation and this too shall pass. It's five years later, although it was very traumatic did I already say I was on sleeping pills and anti-depression medication and it took me a long time to get sucked out of that rabbit hole? You know, this too shall pass. And now when I get together with my girlfriends, it provides for some comic relief because that part of my life is fucking laughable. It really is. It's unbelievable. That's it, guys. I am tapping out at this point right here. Thank you for listening to another episode of Get Real with Mama Moines. And I look forward to talking to you guys again next time. Have a great day. Thank you for joining me. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Get Real with Mama Moines. If you haven't done so yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all of your friends. You can find more of me, Emily Moines, on my website at rebuildakickasslife.com and follow me on my social media, Instagram and Facebook at Get Real with a Mama Moines. Please be sure to join us next time where we will always be here keeping it real.